You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. What's up, brothers? Good morning. <clears throat> it's a fantastic morning. If you like snow and wind. I was told before the show that I, I don't have very good words, so I need to just be really quiet and concise. Words much not good for me today. True. <laughs> you know, hey, we got to pep each other up, brother, because being an industry leader like you are, man, I, I just, I have all the I was saying before the show that uh, it is so true. If you don't read and read books, I mean, just like that, you, you start forgetting words. And so I think I have to go back to the library, Andy. I, I joke around. I watch a lot of these like hunting and fishing shows and they know guys like me are watching them. And then the commercials that come in are always like, take new memory care pills. Are you, you want to stay sharp at work? Want to whatever? <laughs> Those are geared right towards us, Chris. Uh, unfortunately i think that is true well you know what it is it's actually probably a little bit of wisdom that's on the end of your tongue instead of just throwing words out there you're thinking and that's probably part of the problem as you get older you're wiser and you say ah what am i really saying here should i really say this and you and you pause that's possible yeah that's what i'm going with i'm, I'm working on it today though we're gonna see what happens okay. well good luck thank you Thanks much. What's, uh, what's Mr. Is Mr. Poland going to say anything? I let you guys just chat. You're good at going back and forth, but uh, it's a beautiful day here. It is officially, officially spring. Um, it's going to be Easter weekend. And if you, I saw a weird map the other day of Poland. Like um, there, it was the amount of McDonald's, like on a map in USA, the amount of pubs in the UK, and then the amount of churches in Poland. And like each map was just covered in little uh, markers, right? In Poland, the whole thing was covered. And it's true. Like I walk around here and I see churches left and right. And I bring this up because this Easter weekend is, is very important for the Catholic faith. Very curious. I'll be in Warsaw and seeing like just all the, the celebrations and all the different things. So exciting. That's awesome. By the way, I think we'd make a really nice Easter card, the three of us today, wearing our pinks and our, our pastels. And there we go. Yeah. It's all about social media, Andy. We need to be seen. Unfortunately, and yes, it hits, is. Hits and Clicks. views and likes, the, all that stuff. We need that. Yeah. So. Apparently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Uh, seeing out there, Chris, are you, I mean, I've been, I've been watching the market now for, I don't know, 23 years. And this spring is different. And, you know, and it's, it's, uh, I guess what I would say, you know, kind of from the observation perspective, I think we do have people, you know, kind of in observation mode and, you know, where they're observing what's happening. Of course, there's still people that are taking action, the overmath, uh, you know, flow from having a, a crazy crowded market where there was an inventory. Now there is, you know, so it's kind of like, what, what are you seeing out there? I mean, it's, I, I, Give you my spin in a second. Yeah, it's to me, it's just absolutely unknown right now. I mean, I see we we're out on offers the other day and went fifty-one thousand over and lost. Uh, you know, I seen offers that are twenty percent over and lose, and then I see other ones that are like, "Hey, the, the house is not selling; it's not even getting any showings." So it's a weird market right now. Well, and I think what do you think rates did? I mean, do you think rates cooled people off a little bit, or what do you think is going on? I think it's always about consumer confidence, and I think people are starting to really feel what this is really costing. You know, you start buying things, and I'm in the middle of a, a remodel, and we both work in the construction uh, sales part of it. And with that, we're seeing just, I mean, astronomical prices coming back, and, you know, people unable to do that. Then they start going to the grocery store. Then they're like, geez, I mean, that bill used to be 50. Now it's 90. And, you know, the gas is not coming down. And now they put it down, what, 10 cents? Um, I didn't see. I was out in kind of western suburbs uh, yesterday. Yeah. And I saw gas at like 365. 
So if you want gas, you just got to drive like 30 miles out to be able to go get it for, for less money. Um, so you, you, yeah. you waste $7 in gas to save $3? If you know people, I, do I, it. Uh, I love I love my dad, my dad and my grandpa. Oh my gosh, on, on you know on my side of the family, used to do that all the time. They drive across town. They literally have guys scouting out where the cheapest gas is. Yeah, you know. Well, there's apps that do that now too. Just so you know, yeah. I was I did that when I got my Sprinter. They someone recommended this app on a Facebook page that I follow, and it was like, where do you find the best price diesel? And it was just kind of funny um, how people do it, and all those places are so busy. It is hard to even get into it when you're on the road. But I was going to yeah. just say that, you know, along with inventory in this market, that just kind of puts another uh, twist to it. And when I say that, when we're about a month of inventory, uh, there, there's just not a lot of choices. But a lot of, I just had a couple agents, um, not a couple agents, but a couple sellers that I'm working with. And they said, well, let's just get it on the market. Let's just do it and we'll just, you know, deal with it. I'm like, you know what? We really need to get this house looking really good. That's the houses that create excitement and then you get more money for them. And people are kind of thinking, well, no, I just have to put it on the market. And when you do that, I'm telling you, it doesn't work and it hurts you. You might get away with it sometimes. You might get away with it on a lake, you know, because people are just, they're not even looking at them. They'll just grab it without even right. going inside. So you might get away with some of that. But for the most part, what you want to do is you want to make it good enough that you're going to create excitement, that a lot of people are going to like it, and then that drives the right price up. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of describe, it's kind of like, you, you know, when you go on vacation for a week, and you actually have where you're, the first night there, everybody's like partying and getting crazy, and then the second day, everybody's kind of the hangover day, and everybody takes it easy the second night. I think we're in the hangover phase of our, our housing market right now, because we, we've had a good run. And, and I think right now we're feeling the side effects of all these stimulants and all of these, you know, uh, artificially held down rates. We're seeing, you know, there was almost flat inflation for years. And even though people would argue that because they they've been changing over the years the way they track inflation, which is something, a whole other argument. But um, interesting. So now you see, now rates are finally going back up into 5%. No offense, everybody that thinks 5% is high. That's not high. You know, when you look at the marketplace and you start looking at things like um, average interest rates, I mean, back when I got in the business, they were about eight and a half percent and, you know, the average rate around the sevens. But, you know, the idea that money's still on sale is true. Um, your, your jobs are good. Um, so what's happening is with the shortage of inventory, there's still going to remain pressure on housing. And so what's going to happen is it's going to feel like it's a seller's market, regardless of what's happening in the economy, because there's a lack of inventory which keeps people paying a premium price, if you will, or a more than fair price. So all of these projections that we're looking into, even though people are like, oh, the burst is going to happen, it's going to pop. And it's like, unless a bunch of people start flooding the market with inventory, it won't happen. Right. When inventories are this tight, um, you know, and they're projecting three to five more years of this tight market, rates are going to go up. It may take some of the people out of that price range, but there's still going to be enough pressure on that price range where they say every, they say every percent, this is on average now, Every percent that a, uh, a uh, interest rate goes up historically means 4% less in appreciation. So last year, when we had 19.2% appreciation nationwide, that drops her back to like 14, 15%. You're still going to see appreciation, folks. I think that you're going to see appreciation over the next five years. Um, all these crazy things going on in the world and the economy, it still doesn't satisfy that we have a lack of inventory. New construction has not kept up. It just hasn't. Even though it feels like it's crazy right now, there's just not enough houses being built to keep up with the demand. And then now new construction prices are going up higher. So it's even making it harder for those people to reach it. They're jumping to reach it and they can't. So hence the why we're building so many apartment buildings in the Twin Cities anyway, right? So all of this is um, leading to, it seems like a little social unrest from my eyeballs looking at social media and whatnot. And today is actually the anniversary of the assassination of President Lincoln. And after that happened, there was a ton of social unrest um, because of that situation. So in this market, in this time, dealing with all these different aspects, how do you guys recommend people manage this housing market and what is going on? Well, I think number number one, you, you'll never know what the bottom of the market is. And I think everyone wants to try to find that bottom of the market and, and they want to grab it then. And 
but you never know until it's too late. <laughs> so it's kind of like doing what is best for you. And I, I look at um, a couple uh, it's things I'm dealing with right now, and people are delaying what they want to do for years and years and years because of interest rates and what interest rates are doing. And I think it's just people need to look at interest rates, in, in my opinion, mm -hmm. as more of a shorter term. Not Don't look at it as 30 years. I mean, if you do look at it 30 years and you look at it historically, just like Andy said, I mean, the rates are absolutely fantastic. Now, comparing them to 3% versus 5%, we saw that analogy last week and how much it's going to cost somebody. And it was like $400 uh, a month and $127,000 over 30 years. But things change. You move, you kind of, you go to the next step. Um, but I think just people need to look at it as, yeah, we, we do have some times here that are, that are, are going to be a little tough. I mean, there's people, I think in our real estate industry, we're going to see it in the lending, in the lending part, you know, they're hurting. They don't have any of the refinance market and this market is slow and there's some, it's just like realtors. There's some people that are really busy and there's a lot of people that are not very busy because they're not able to get, get their offers through. And if they don't have listings, it makes it really tough. You know, those kind of realtors can really do good when there's um, six months of inventory out, but when there's one month and they're fighting 10 other people to get that one house, I mean, their chances are 10%. And that's what's happening. And people people are hurting. So they're going to start losing jobs. I, I have a prediction that a lot of our industry is going to move out to different job segments uh, that are out there because there's some opportunities for them to be able to get in and take advantage of it right now. Well, you know, and I think that, too, you know, a lot of people wanted, you know, real estate to be kind of redesigned, right? The historic, uh, you know, it didn't it didn't seem, seem clunky. It seemed old school. You know, you had to, you know, uh, go to a real estate agent. You had to list your house for a lot of money. Um, you, there was a whole process to it that was clunky. And so what's interesting to me is that right now you're seeing um, a lot of like Zillow, Open Door, their stocks are going down and down and down. As the marketplace cools off, you're going to see that the new way to do business is also going to disappear on you guys because they can't make ridiculous. So remember this, it's all about margins, right? So if you have a house and let's say they bought it at a fair price, let's say your house was worth 400 and they offered you a fair price, but minus their fees, they ended up offering you 375. Well, by the time they put it under contract, by the time they'd actually close on it at 375, now your house historically was worth 405 or 410 because it it's been going up over the last several months while you were waiting to close. So the, the business equation is very lucrative. I mean, they can make 20% on a house, 15% on a house, and it was doing really well. The problem was is that they weren't buying right. They weren't using qualified real estate agents or appraisers to help these people buy these houses. They were using their own algorithms, which are off. They're off by up to 14%. And their, their shareholders have proven that they don't like that. They don't like the fact that they are inaccurate. And so all of a sudden they went from saying, hey, 15 to 20% margins on houses when we buy them to, oh, we lost uh, 530 million was I think Zillow's last quarter that they lost. And, and you look at some of those numbers and you say, okay, so what is their business proposition? Is it really helping people, right? Which a lot of people think it is. It's like this, this do-good website that's just for consumers. And I'm not against it because I do think we need to evolve as an industry. But I think that people need to start understanding, just like in the medical industry, just because you have on your phone, you have, you know, the, the med apps that are on your phone, right? The, uh, forget what, what is that one that my, my son always makes fun of me? You know, WebMD. So you have WebMD, for an example. Do you, do you want to go to WebMD or do you want to go to a real doctor when you actually have a problem? So when the, when the market gets back to a normal market or even a slower market, I think the apps and all the different, you know, quick, get easy programs are going to really suffer and probably go away. I mean, their, their shares or their stock values right now are reflecting that. Yeah. If you really look at them, they're at rock bottom. Well, and they had quotas to fill. I mean, you have to, when, when you're traded, you have to spend a certain amount of money and then you just start right. buying things and getting things and people are like you know what i'll just do it myself and they, they just kept upping the prices and the last i i am just recalling three uh, open door houses that i went to all of them were at least five to ten percent overpriced and they're yep. sitting and so every one of them they, they and again there's a formula that goes with that we purchased it for this we put this much money in here's what the list price is that's not how you sell a house 
you know, it's, well, it's no, not, you know, and I, I always look at that too, Chris, and I say a revolution, like, you know, we're talking about this social unrest. Well, uh, real estate unrest, if you think about this, people should educate themselves on the process. They should learn how to shop real estate agents. So if you want to really buck the system, learn how to replace it. Not just you go from one system to another system. You go from real estate agents over here to, you know, these apps. That's not changing the industry. If you want to revolutionize it, learn how to sell real estate, learn how to do marketing, learn how to do the whatever and sell it yourself. You know what I mean? And if you decide that, hey, I don't have the skill set or the time or the energy to do it, then you hire somebody that does know how to do those things. And that's where the market should be. I think for sale by owner should be a common practice. The problem is, is that most people don't know how to price their houses accurately. And statistically, they sell their houses for 12% less than those that are listed. That's Those are national facts, guys. It's not like, and, and I get it, you're trying to save fees, but if you can make 12% more, but pay somebody five and a half or 6% to sell it, who cares? You're still up thousands and thousands of dollars and you don't have the headaches. You don't have to worry about, are you making the wrong mistakes? Are you miscuing things? Are you not reading things correctly? Should I be worried right now? Should I be calm right now? You need the guidance. And so anyway, a revolution, I think, is is where you learn to ask the people the right questions and where can you replace something in that system that's better with a better tool. And right now, I don't think apps are better tools. I think that the real estate agents can be better equipped with better technology. I think that, you know, mortgage professionals, same thing. Is there a way to do it fair? Is there, you know, you know what I'm saying? A, a better way to do uh, the, the fee system? You know, Andy, we're talking about this whole social unrest and starting off with Abe Lincoln. Do you know I have uh, an affiliation with Abe? I you do. Oh, well, look at this. There it is. And uh, we actually had a development that we listed in Elko Newmarket. And as part of the marketing, I always try to sift through everything they got. And I was going through um, old pictures and I was going to try to say, you know, there's a lot of history here, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, I happened upon that little uh, statement there, that little the United States of America. And on it, if you, you can look at it, it says, by the president, Abraham Lincoln. And from the time he got inaugurated until the time they went to the Civil War, he signed that document for that piece of land in the, I think it was the Homestead Act, where if you farmed it for five years, you got to keep the land. And it was on that land. And uh, just kind I, of- I thought, I thought you had him sign your listing agreement. Yeah, you've had those long sales since then. Yeah, exactly. Longest listening in the history of America. Yeah, I was in a, I was speaking at a title company thing uh, for a local title company, and they had all their people around, and they just brought a couple of realtors in to be able to talk about it, and they they were introducing me, and they said, well, you know, Chris Rudy, he's got like 30 years in the business. I'm like, uh, actually it's 32 now. And I said, it's really weird. Back in those days, they got, let you get licensed at 10 years old. And uh, everyone kind of laughed and I'm like, what's so funny? Well, you know, you know, if you, it, it, we, when we're, when you're younger and you're like, oh man, I can say I got 10 years of experience in the business. And you think you need that for credibility. Once yeah. you get to the point of where you're over 20, nobody gives a shit anyway. And it's like, yeah, eh, yeah you're old. We get it. You know, <laughs> I know. But I used to be the youngest one, and it's just it's yeah. just it's a weird it's a weird thing. So. It is. So before we go on to our next segment, we have a commercial here for Chris Rooney Home Experts. I was just one years old when my family started in real estate, where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Maybe I need a script. I won't screw up my words. That, that sounded actually pretty good. You know, you don't screw up your words, man. I, I like your words. <laughs> I, I do a lot of ums and stuff. That's I think that's what the problem is. Doesn't everybody else in the world, too? It goes to show that you're not, you're actually a real estate agent that has a podcast. You're not a podcaster that sells real estate. Good, you know what I'm saying? That's a very good point. There you go. That is. How to know if you have a good real estate deal. If you can rent for 1% of what your price is, you got a good deal. If you buy something for 80000 
and you can rent it for 1%, $800 a month. That is a no-brainer deal. That deal is going to work. The 1% rule says if $800 is the rent that you can get and you're paying $80,000, go for it, as long as you know the location. So that $450,000 house you just bought is $4,500 a month in his math, right? Okay. I... I mean, if you can get it, I mean, I would take that all day long. I mean, well, no kidding. I would take it too. Yeah, yeah. If I could get six thousand for a six hundred thousand dollars house, I'd be, I'd love that. I mean, maybe he's down to like, he must be down in Mississippi or something where houses still sell for eighty thousand. I can't even get a trailer anymore for eighty thousand. I think he was just saying like, this is how you know you have a really good deal if you can ever get this deal. He's right. You also, if you can rent it for a million dollars a month, that's even a better deal. Take that deal. I think you got to watch out, though, sometimes when you get into like an $80,000 house, more than likely it's a condo type thing. And all of a sudden, if the association, association. fee is $422, it's not yeah. such a great deal anymore. So right. you have to kind of look at uh, a lot of things. But in general, I mean, that's it would be great if you could do that. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to walk out that door, and I'm going to count to ten. Don't forget three. <laughs> Some people forget it. What? Was she letting the buyer go? I think. Yeah. yeah. That is true. I think that, was, I think that was the idea. Yeah. Some people people can be very uh, disrespectful, and I think it's just it's wrong. We don't need to be that way at all. One of my... Um, greatest things that ever happened to me was at uh in, in in my real estate career i mean it really brought me a lot of different um opportunities but was at an open house that someone drove up in a car that wasn't very nice and was late to the open house that got there right at the end i had turned off most of the lights i was coming to the front door and this person came in and I'm like, no, no, no problem. Come on in, see it. You got to see this. My gosh, we got, it's on the lake. It's beautiful, la, la, la. At the end, she's like, gosh, I think my brother would like this. And it's just like, all right, you know, that, that's cool. Well, the brother did end up calling me and I've sold him millions of dollars worth of real estate over the time. But, you know, if you were being rude and, you know, well, you're never going to be able to buy this anyways, you know, those opportunities never come. So just, you just don't have to be an idiot in anything that you do. That's I, unfortunately, I think some people don't know they have a choice yeah. or maybe they don't have a choice. They just are an idiot. Yeah, um, it's too bad, but it is it's not worth it. And I'll tell you for other realtors that are out there having a client that you don't get along with or want to um, go show houses to. It's hell because it's not everyone thinks, well, geez, I'll just sell my house real quick. It's never that. You have to sell them a house. You have to go through all the way through closing and then after the fact. And it's just, it's not worth it. And, he, and, and it's not good for that other client either if you don't like them. You need to let them go as someone that works well with them. And you can go off and do your other things. And some people are doing, I'm seeing people now, Andy, that are willing to, you know, travel to Duluth to be able to go show a buyer now just because they don't really have much in, in their pipeline. And it's like, you know what, you might want to just refer that to someone up there and then because they know that area better. And then right. you can, you know, work on some other things around here. You're still going to well, get refer somebody back to you. Yeah, exactly. It all works out. So just in, in this time, too, you just got to keep doing the things that you know are right and it will turn. Oh, yeah. Okay, now there is an absolute wonderful thing for agents that aren't having much success right now is to get out there and, and knock on doors and start buying houses. Even if you can't buy them, you might be able to say, I will buy this and or assign it to somebody else by such and such time. And maybe just put your money where your mouth is and say, you know, I don't have the person right now, but I will give you $10,000 non-refundable earnest money because I'm going to purchase this. And if I don't, you get $10,000. Well, selling that over to people, because there's so many people out there that would grab it in a millisecond, you're going to make money doing that. So if you want to take a chance and get out there and do something 
rather than just sit around. I think that's a great thing. Selling a contract is a, is a great way. It's a, there's a, there's people in the, around here that do that. And they're basically selling, they're, they're getting it here and they're kind of being the middleman, still giving someone else a good deal. But it's like they did the behind the scenes work and they're going to make ten, fifteen thousand dollars like that. We, we have to be a little careful. Uh, there's a term in Minnesota called equity stripping. And if it is our job as as a fiduciary in our industry to let people know what a house is really worth. So even though we've offered, you know, 350, they have to be on paper made well aware that that house is worth 400. We're guaranteeing them the 350 and we may make a profit. And as long as you do that, then, yep, that that can work really well. 100 percent. Yeah, you have to do that. I've done that. It's almost like you're at a total disadvantage. If you're a realtor and you think the best way to kind of be an investor is to have a real estate license, you're wrong because you have way too many things that you need to be able to disclose to people. And it basically goes like this. Hey, Mr. Seller, you know, I'd like to buy your house. I'm going to buy it for this. You're selling it way too cheap. I'm going to be able to make money on it. You shouldn't sell it to me. And if you do, I am going to, you know, again, make a lot of money off you. And that makes it hard on negotiations, but I, I deal with that. I bought quite a few homes and that's exactly what I do. It's, it's just well, an we used, to do a, we used to do a ton of it with dirt. Um, we would make an offer to a farmer and then we'd have the engineering done on it. We'd establish a value and then we would take that, what they called paper lot that we'd even go through the process of getting it approved with the city. And then we would sell paper lots at a price to developers or, or builders. And that was a, a very, very lucrative, um, business and 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 that's yeah and that that's kind of you know it's been mopped up a little bit since then because the a lot of these national builders now you know think about this so now you're you're working for the big wall street builder here in the twin cities and you have to sell 800 to 1500 houses this year you're non-stop buying dirt and you have to pay full retail for dirt because you're not going to get enough of the good deals you're going to have to take whatever's available just to keep your machine moving and so that's what I, i think land prices and a lot of the house prices have really been reflective of those careless decisions these national builders are making, um, buying these big tracts of and then they're setting the bar too high for the local, you know, uh, developers to actually afford to buy it, develop it, and put it on the market at a fair price. So part of the the problem that we've had is that these people crave this. I want to buy from this national builder, that national builder. They give me more square foot for you know for the money, but the problem is is that it's squeezing out your competition. It eventually becomes where you only have a bunch of the big super centers in town and you have no uh, boutique smaller stores anymore because the smaller stores can't survive selling only one or two items a day. They have to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the builders, builders, they, they need to sell a dozen to two dozen houses a year generally to make, to make, have the operation, have the systems in place so that it's a smooth transaction for you. But anyway, I just, I don't, I don't mean to always be the negative Nelly, but it is, it's a direct problem we've had where these big boys come into town and big girls come into town buy everything up pay full retail because they need it they don't care they're answering to, to shareholders that why didn't you sell 1500 houses you're fired chris you get to sell them now you know so but i think what you're saying too and when we talk about unrest and what's happening to our real estate industry is that we're always adapting we're adapting to new markets and you know what you were just saying there i mean it was a huge service back then because you basically made that land more valuable for somebody because you showed people what you could actually do with that land mm-hmm. and probably help the seller out, get be able to get more money. You still get paid. And then it was good for the end user. And now obviously that's kind of dried up and now they're going off and, and kind of grabbing their own stuff. And, but we always, you're always coming up with new ways in which to be able to do things. I mean, it's like, it's like the tax codes. I mean, I don't care what they do with the tax codes. Everyone's going to find loopholes in it. And there is loopholes in it. Every time there's loopholes in it, loopholes are in it for a reason, (laughs) for people to be able to go and try to exploit them. And it's always just flipping the money around different ways that you think that the rich people are paying, and they're not, and they won't. So, sorry. No, I I think it's... Yep, that was. <laughs> I I like Andy's rants better though. He gets he gets going. Mine are sneaky. Yeah. No, you're super simple. I 
I always, I know the right words to get you on, and then it just goes. <laughs> Amazing. God damn, little mama. You know you thick as hell, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you thick as hell, mama. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. When you've been outbid, outbid by the investors 234 times, you got to find something to live in. So. Well, I thought it, what, what was the play on the Amish cart being in front of the house too? Like somebody, an Amish person beat him out on the last listing or what? No, he's got to buy an Amish house because he can't find anything else. Oh, he joined, <laughs> he probably joined the Amish. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Hey, let's build a barn. I'll tell hey, you Chris, what though. I found, I found a chart for you, buddy. Oh, wow. Back up. It's going to be too close if I do it too close. So this was my um, housing units that were completed. And this goes all the way back to 1970, guys. And as it goes all the way across here to 2020, and that bar down the middle was actually one showing you what the average um, units completed or needed are. And look at how we've been under servicing, you know, the, the last few years here, under servicing the market. And we're back up to where we should be for average units produced. So people are like, oh, my God, they're just overbuilding like crazy. They're not. They're not. That's That's the crazy part. There, there is still a need. The problem, what we're having though, is because of like things like I was talking about with land prices and whatever, the, the unit costs are crazy. When I started building houses years ago, like you could buy a beautiful lot in Blaine for 25,000, 30,000, and then they went up to 50, and then they went up to 60, and then we had 80,000, and now boy, all of a sudden the market crashed on us. And in the early mid 2000s, now it's come back to where lots right now in Blaine are 130, 140,000 for a normal city lot. If you it, can to find me, it's one. crazy. If you can even find one. If you can find one. No. And that's where a lot of that pricing comes in. You put a $350,000 house on top of that, and all of a sudden, by God, you're at a half a million dollars without even blinking, you know? Absolutely. So. Crazy. We have a Reddit post here. Not wanting to buy in the worst time in real estate history isn't timing the market. So they're basically saying like, this is really the worst time in real estate history and I'm not trying to time the market. What do you think, Andy? Andy's analogy. Um, okay, so if you look here, I, I brought another chart for you. Um, I brought my charts today. So here's what they're projecting. The industry leaders that are out there, are projecting that over from the year 2022 through 2027, if you buy a house for 360,000 over here, by the time we get to 227, they're saying with the market the way it is, it'll still appreciate. Affordability index. You're making more money now on, on paper than in the old days, They ratio wise, you can afford 5%. You can actually afford to put um, a decent share down. You can lock that house in for 30 years. And they're showing that Usually during inflationary times, houses don't go down in value, guys. And during inflation, everything goes up. I mean, it's actually a great vehicle to buy in. And so, you know, when you say the worst of time, I don't know what the hell they're talking about. The worst of time, in my opinion, is back in the 80s when they're at 18% interest and people didn't know how to pump their gas because there's no gas available. Those were horrible times. Or how about when you lived out in a, in a cave on the side of a cliff? Those were horrible times. We're living in houses with cable TV and driving cars that swerve back in the lanes. I mean, my God, this is the best time in the history of the world to be alive and buy a house. Get well, your shit together. You, you start buying houses right now. You. Here's the other thing too, is that what, what happened to like maybe enjoying life too? Maybe you want a house and you want to pay for it because it's on acreage. And yeah, you might have to pay 50,000 more for it, but you want it. I mean, if they told you everything, like what you had to buy for a car, and you know what? You have to buy this one because you're going to be able to get money. I mean, there wouldn't be any uh, Lamborghinis bought. And people want a Lamborghini because they want a Lamborghini. And so right. sometimes you don't have to think everything is about making money on a house because it's where we live. It's where you spend yeah. most of your time. And if you don't enjoy that, what the hell? What, what are you doing? I mean, that was me. Manager. That was me for 25 years. Yeah. 25 years is like, you know what? we're not putting that porch on because I won't get the money back. And, you know, I'm just right. going to replace the top rail and not all the deck boards because no, it's, it's just enjoy yeah. the dang thing. 
I, I had a gentleman this last, it was about two weekends ago. We were out and I have a, a product where it's a slab on grade detached townhouse. Okay. And he comes in and he's like, man, you know, I'm ready to retire here. I'm 65. And he goes, I want to buy one level living. I want to, you know, right size, you know, downsize, whatever you want to call it. And, and get into this one level living, which will be easy. And he goes, but the prices, I just, I can't afford it. And I said, you're telling me that on the stocks that you've been sitting on the last several years, you haven't doubled your money. It, well, yeah, but I need that money. I go, okay, your house that you live in now went up $200,000 in value. And for no reason other than just the economy's booming. And I said, and then now you come and look at something that's brand new, under warranty, super efficient, and it's up 200 grand and you think it's too expensive? I go, put things into proportion, guys. I mean, everything's going up. Trucks are $80,000 for a pickup truck. Why should a house not be $500,000, right? I mean, we're, we're in a society where you trade things, you know what I mean? You, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, you, you earn it, you make decisions, you invest into things. Like Chris was saying, you also live in those items. It's not like we're buying um, extravagant luxury items that we're just, you know, this is housing. So some people do say, oh, rent should be free or house. No, it's not. This is a risk reward society, unfortunately, here in the U.S. You, you make investments in yourself with your schooling, your education, um, and then take advantage of different circumstances. Like, do you have a really good job now where you're making really good money and the market's timed right where you can afford to buy a house because the payments in your right, do it. You don't wait. Timing a market is one of the hardest things to ever do. And to time it correctly is probably almost impossible. So you have to look at where do I live now? Like this guy that's 65, I go, so why don't you wait 10 years until the market um, changes to where you think you can afford it? I go, or you may not be needing this townhouse. Now you might be needing, you know, senior apartment or something at that point where you, you need assistance. So I go, why would you take the risk of, of ruining your next 10 years of your life over a hundred grand? Because that's the whole reason why you worked. That's the whole reason why you save, invest and everything else. You know, timing's everything. Because it's everybody. Oh, you paid too much. Oh, you're, this market's nuts. It's crazy. You know what? It's up to you. And yeah, and it is true. I mean, when people are buying, they, they can't believe it's the worst thing ever. But when they're selling, it's totally fine. And it's yeah. like, you know what? It, it, go, it goes both ways. And it is what it is. You know, if you want to be able to do it, you want to be able to enjoy it, then go enjoy it. I mean, your life is it's too quick. And I mean, I've had a number of people that I know this last week that have died. I mean, they're not worried about no housing market right now and, right. and what they spent and, you know, enjoy it. And then housing is, and housing 2008 was an anomaly. It was because everyone was so stupid. They were just giving money away. They were paying less money, adding money to the, it was negative amortization. I mean, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. It just was stupid stuff. We all saw it. We all knew it. Inventory was over six months when everything started to go to hell. Foreclosures just took over the world and people just screw it. I'm just going to do it. There's too yeah, much. Remember, Chris, remember, like, and I know you know this, but like we say foreclosures took over the world. The, the, the reason why is because people were buying houses they couldn't afford intentionally. They were, you know, they should have bought a $350,000 house. They were buying a $700,000 house because everything was appreciating at 12%. I literally would sit with people where they'd say, we're only buying this because we want to make 12% on 700 instead of 12% on 400. And they lost those houses. They were planning on selling it. They were planning They're on selling it. it. Sell they were making an investment. Mm -hmm. They timed it wrong. Um, and they, they also had something they couldn't afford. So it's kind of like buying something, hedging a bet that you can't fulfill. I mean, it's like, I, boy, don't gamble with money you don't have, right? So it's like, there was a lot of that happening back then. And so the market was completely off. There were people using their houses as cash machines. If you don't think I'm right, go back to the big short and watch that show. It explains it perfectly. People were going in and they'd take their house and they'd say, my God, it's worth 700,000. Let's pull out 300,000 in cash and buy a big boat or let's buy this or buy that. And all of a sudden their house was a vehicle, a cash machine for them to buy things they couldn't afford otherwise. And it's like, it just, I don't know, it fueled an economy that was destined to fail and it did. And it's taken us, I mean, even to today, you still feel the scars of, you know, I mean, that was 15 years ago or whatever it was. And you still feel the aftermath of that market. Today's market, whole different situation. The amount of houses that are paid for free and clear, the amount of equity that's in houses, amount of people that owe you know more than half of what their house is worth. The market is so stable, it's crazy. And everybody that has payments, except for like right now, they're a little higher, have been locking in at 3%. For the love of God, it's, they weren't going to get any cheaper. You've borrowed money at such a low rate, you'll never want to get rid of those loans. 
So we're in a way, way different situation than we were back then when it comes to talking about bursts and, and you know, and economies. And I think housing will be the only stable thing we'll be holding on to over the next five years. I agree. I do. I forgot where I read it, but it was somewhere. It was saying that uh, United States real estate is when like the safest possible thing you can invest in, like maybe even higher than gold because like when the rest of the world, like at least it's protected by the U.S. military, but it was kind of interesting, the whole idea of all the foreign money that comes in and like yep. this is the American real estate is the number one investment. Good point. Anyways, um, a real estate memes back for uh, week two. This was a hit last week. So one second. Oh, boy. What are we going to see today, Andy? <laughs> uh, yeah, you you need to you need to be ready uh, for that question. That's for sure, or you have to have a rebuttal for it. But uh, if you're not ready for that, then you shouldn't you shouldn't get the listing anyways. Yeah. And you know, I think that's a little overused. About it depends how much you talk about in that area. Is it that neighborhood? Is it that town? Is it that location? Is it south of the river? Is it on the western suburbs? You know, you can really dive that in. I mean, in, in Minnetonka, you could go into, you know, in in Deep Haven, or do you do anything by Thorpe Park? You know, how many homes have you sold there? So, I mean, you can really kind of dive in and uh, manipulate that question too. I've sold against that pretty successfully, where we've had, you know, in markets where like, oh well. You know, little Susie, she owns this marketplace and she sells all the houses. I go, you ever thought about Susie for a second? You ever think she's trying to make her job a little easier by sandbagging all the prices in this area and you could actually get more than she's telling you? And people go, well, wait a minute, but she's the local expert. And I go, she is the expert. She's setting the price. Think about this. Out of all the houses she's set the price on, she's talked to all those people into those prices. I go, bring a fresh, you know, fresh set of eyeballs into this marketplace we might be able to get you an extra, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars just because we're not under the tight mitts of that local expert. Now, I'll tell you what, competition always makes competition better. And so somebody like me coming in is going to keep her on her toes. And and she said, Well, she'll only bring us her buyers if if she's a listing agent. I go, really? I go, let's see how that works. So maybe she doesn't have the buyers she says she has anyway. So let's actually get your house up for sale. I'll make a two-week window for her to bring all her buyers in that she says she has. I'll get you a higher price for the house. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it's just a psychology play, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, it's. I think it's, it's really interesting. When you say fresh look at something, that is so true because if you don't know what the whole market's doing, and I'm just going to give Prior Lake as an example, is that people typically will look in certain neighborhoods. So the Wilds is a neighborhood. Uh, the Point is a neighborhood. Uh, Maple Glen is a certain neighborhood. And you're looking at, well, there's no way that Maple Glen is going to be able to get this price mm -hmm. because nothing else has happened over there. But if you look at the Wilds and the Point and where, where they've risen to, that these prices, these prices now can kind of come up because it's like, I don't have many choices. There isn't like 10 houses in the Wilds to choose from. There might be one here, one here, and one there. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know what? That one over in Maple Glen looks pretty damn good. And yeah. all of a sudden, now, instead of 600 now you're getting 650 Because you know what the whole market's like, not just what Maple Glen is doing. So, Yep. Yep. It's true. Did my hand items? Okay. If women watched reality real estate shows the way guys watch sports, oh, my God, that's hardly what I'd call staging. I'd never sell like that, moron. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that, that's that's good. That might be me on the couch actually saying that on HGTV. There's nothing I can yeah. I can't stand worse than when they go in and say, "Here's the kitchen." Oh no, shit. I mean, we all know it's a kitchen. You know, you don't sell that way. Yeah. Uh, here is the toilet. Look at that. Amazing. Can you imagine how you could destroy this? That's that? Yeah. <laughs> What do you what do you say? I mean, people get it. We know what it is. I know, I know, but that's how they do it. I mean, and then letting your client sitting outside, let your client walk through, and you don't even you're not even in there to help them. I mean, come on, that doesn't happen. I it's can't believe I just said that. 
Oh my god! And then redoing a kitchen for forty five hundred bucks. All right, that that yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is an old one. We've had this forever, and it's how different people look at at your house, and it's so true. I I laugh at the appraiser one. We've been having more issues with appraisals lately than we've had uh, the whole time, and there's something going on. Uh, Mark Peterson was uh, saying that when he was on the last time um, yeah. that he didn't see it, but I think there to me, I think there's uh, they're just being they're being careful. They just don't want what happened uh last time but again i think there's everything's so much different than last time so well you know let me ask you a quick question because i have another chart chris oh uh where are so you coming up with all these have, charts that's impressive I, I don't know but i just i walk around with these i am hey are you in the mall you want to talk about prices and then i i pin people down and i buy them a pretzel and talk about prices um this is what they're forecasting so if you think about this for a second fannie mae uh freddie max over here these guys want to see they're projecting six to seven percent growth this year. Okay. Um, National Association of Realtors, only 5.1. What's happening is I think when you are selling, let's say whichever bank you go to, a lot of times they go to those big um, GSEs, right? Or GSAs that then uh, they sell that mortgage off. So there's what they call overlays on loans. When they order up an appraisal, I think when they get an appraisal from Freddie or Fannie, it's probably with different overlays on it. So they have to look at things with different goggles. Like they only can go out so far. They only can look at inventory that's so old. And those companies tweak and tweak and tweak those appraisers to where they don't get these crazy, you know, they, they nobody likes to see 19% appreciation in the lending side because it just throws all their, their algorithms off, all their safety mechanisms for lending gets thrown off. Four to six percent is easy to manage and easy to follow, you know, and easy to lend with. So anyway, I'm, I'm putting my head more at your level, Andy. When we're next to each other, on top of you. So look at this. Yeah. Now, now we're good. Yeah. All right, we're going to interrupt this broadcast before our ne next segment and play a commercial. Andy Prasky, preferred home team. The man. Well, they said I could have thirty seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky. Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales. I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. <laughs> I want. Um, I, want hey, I don't know if you know this, Chris, but I actually made that commercial myself. I can't tell. I just want verification that you actually leave that desk every once in a while. Never. never seen you, I don't see you other than at that desk right there. I used to be able to do backdrops on my, uh, um, you know, green screen, but apparently yeah. that doesn't work with this program as well. <laughs> hey, now you have charts. You're much better now. I like your charts. Thank you. All right. Hey, our next. Okay, oh, go got ahead. it. Nope. Our next segment, we're gonna sell this home, and I think it's just uh, this description. We're not gonna go through a property, and because there's a lot of homes that are like this in that Minnesota Twin City area. So, Chris. Yeah. So let's go over like so in the western suburbs. Let's just say kind of that that Minnetonka Wyzetta area. You got a house that's 6,700 square feet, six bedroom, six bath. Built in 1995 with a walkout basement with a nice backyard, three-car garage, and the schools are good. Now, the vent, it, the decor is remains uh, original, and so it's kind of a vintage 1995-type decor. Oh, good. So what are your uh, initial thoughts? We could maybe do this, Andy, from uh, what, what we end up with doing all the time is that we get a phone call, and we, we can't see all the pictures of the inside, but we do know these these facts, you know, by asking them questions and before we even go over there. What kind of marketing do you would you think of prior to going over there to be able to tell these people what you can do or where we are with um, even price if you wanted to? How would you handle well, it? Well, you know, so that thing. Thanks for asking, Chris. Um, the uh, what what I would do is I would sit down with the customer first and ask them what's the plan, <laughs> right? 
Do they want to just list that house as is? Do they want um, suggestions as to what they could do that would give a, what I call a kind of a, a fresh set of uh, earrings or some new lipstick on the, on the, the house? Or do you want to talk about renovating the house as a renovation value? And, and I always think that the risk with renovation value is that you better be using the right professionals to pick the current cool trends that people are going to want to pay for. Otherwise, you might be investing into something where you spend one hundred dollars or $200,000 and you get some or none of it back. Um, and, and yes, it's different, but it's not necessarily different the way the new buyer would want it. So in most cases, it's make sure that it's vintage but clean. Um, and, and maybe even you just do a fresh set of carpet. You leave everything else the same or maybe some fresh countertops, some new hardware. You want to get that gold out of there. I guarantee it has white countertops, gold, white cabinets, white, you know, or white, uh, excuse me, white tops. I think it's the white, what is it, refrigerator um, appliances. And then usually they have gold everywhere else. I'd update my lighting, my hardware, uh, maybe some of the flooring. I do, do a light, I do a light remodel. They were very uh, big time drop ceilings back then with lighting in the kitchen. That was all, that was a huge thing. But yep. so Andy, are you, are you trying to get that information before you even go over there? Well, a lot of times I actually do my, uh, my personal um, strategy is a little different than others. I like to interview the the person over the phone first and ask them, you know, Hey, you know, when we get out there, what, what, how do I maximize my visit with you for you guys? Like, do you want us to bring remodeling suggestions? Do you want us to show you comps in the area of remodeled houses similar to yours? Do you want to look at houses that have sold as is? What, what, what is the, you know, what is this about? And most people kind of want to know, in, in my experience, and I'm sure you see the same, what is the house worth as is? What would the house be worth fixed up a little bit? And then what is the house worth totally remodeled? But who the heck wants to remodel a house except the flipper and, and then, you know, take the risk of trying to project what the market would want? So most people, I find, will do a light remodel, like maybe some fresh floors, some fresh paint. Um, update some of the hardware just to make it where it's almost there where people can visualize where it's going and then but not too much and then that house sells quicker because you know remodeling I mean you can spend six months to a year remodeling a house I mean just getting people to show up is is not an easy task today so I think it's really really hard to go into a house and tell them exactly what the price is right now uh, just for the plain fact that you don't know those answers if they're willing right. to do that the price will be different but the one thing you can do, there's a lot of um, different things that are out there that we know. I mean, there's tax value, there's Zillow, there's Realtor.com, there's the neighborhood. What can the neighborhood bring? And then what else is out there and what's selling? But the thing you don't know is when are you listing it? So yeah. those are the things that you have to go over. But I think for me going into this listing, I would really be thinking about what the layout of this house is and if it would work for like a multi-generational type person, you know, or is it a big family? I mean, cause when you have 6,700 square feet, six bedrooms and six baths, that's not, it's not going to probably be a family of two, you know, now if there's a main floor, if there's a main floor bedroom and it's in a really good area, you might even get a retired couple to buy that 6,700 square foot home because they want the kids to be able to come home and maybe there's separate suites upstairs. And so you have to, you have to kind of think outside the box on this type of stuff. But um, ultimately the seller is the one that makes the choice on this. It's our job in which to be able to give the information to make that decision and, you know, to maximize it. And I think I see a lot of people and tell them, you know what, if you invest 15,000, we're probably going to make 70,000 more. If you don't want to do that, you don't want to put the money into it. I totally understand, but this is what I think that you could do. And pricing right now too is, is a very strategic thing. It, it really is. It's not, you, you can't, you got to price it kind of like where the market is, not where you think they're going to pay for it. Because yeah. if you do that, then there's only one person that was looking at it like that, but they're not competing against anyone. So they don't want to pay that for it. I, I just had this happen to me and I, I don't like to talk about my failures, but I, every failure is an opportunity to learn. Right? right. So I went out and actually had a listing presentation that I did not win. And uh, somebody else was hired and the person that was, was listing the house. Um, I kept saying, you know, the house is going to sell for 300 to 310. And what I was suggesting though, is that we were listing at 289 for that area. We'll get multiple offers, a lot more attention being under 300 and some other agent went out there and said, well, I'd list it at 300000 
And and so guess what? They, they got it. They, they got the listing. They listed at 300 thinking that I was only going to sell for 289 And I said, I, I literally, I, and I'm not allowed to do this, but I wanted to call the customer and say, you guys left about ten dollars to $15,000 on the table. You probably took one offer. There's probably only one offer on the table because when you price it at what it's really worth, nobody fights for it. You got to price it so that people want it, right? And then they're willing to, hey, if Chris, you and I are competing against each other, we'll offer $50,000 more and I won't do an inspection. I'll do this. Competition creates better offers. If you don't create competition, you're wasting your time in today's market. Real estate agents, that's our job. Otherwise, sell it yourself. I mean, our job is to get more interest in your property. We're guiding you on that. Get your house ready, position it properly, price it properly, get multiple offers on the property with the best terms. You know, so also, and I could have sold it for, let's say, $315, um, guaranteed appraisal gap over $300 of up to $15,000. So you would have got that $15,000 no matter what. Plus, there's no home inspection. So now they're not going to ask you to fix all the things that are not perfect in that house. And then, and lastly, um, maybe we got somebody that will match your closing date that you want. You want 90 days or 60 days? When somebody's in a competitive environment, they'll figure it out on their side and sacrifice themselves instead of you for, for living situation. So I don't know. I just, I agree with you a, a billion percent because I almost wanted to call that that seller and say, ah, why did you, you know, what the heck? But yeah. it is what it is. People make mistakes. They they want the guarantee in their hand. And, and like I said, I don't even know if they got retail. I'll see in about a month and a half here when it closes what they got. But I think yeah, they left money on the table. Uh, it's always a tough thing when you when you don't get it. You know, you you start questioning yourself and things like that. But you know, sometimes it just it is what it is, and and maybe whatever. I just I well, kind of just say like, move on. Let's say this is, but say this is a, a nine hundred thousand dollar house in in Minnetonka, and all day long, right? And so we're going out there and we're saying, listen, you know, if you list it at nine fifty, you're not going to have anybody even looking at it. I mean, you'll get a few, but not many. And people are going to think it's overpriced. They're not going to be motivated to run out and write a sale. If you price that same house at four sixty-seven five and had a few fresh paint, fresh whatever, you got some really beautiful photography, aerial shots, the whole thing, and it draws people in. Now you get people fighting over it, and also you might get a hundred thousand, you might get a million dollar offer on the place because people can see what you're selling versus just settling for what you're putting up that they think is overpriced. Yeah, you me. We're almost wrapping up here. Let's do a rapid fire on these uh, listener questions. Here you go. Here's Greg. Do you see homeowners of new construction having home inspection on the 11th month of purchase to take advantage of the construction warranty? You got, you got to remember that's a workmanship warranty. Uh, it's not, you, you, you have two years mechanical, electrical, and HVAC, and then 10 years structural. Uh, maybe at the 10 year that you would do it, but the workmanship part of it, you you tip you can see that stuff, I would think. Well, I think I think he's just really saying like so you don't miss anything, right? So yeah. you you have a an inspection. I, I'd recommend that if you were in a position of where you don't trust your your builder or you think there's something maybe that that subcontractor was off a little bit and you want to have their work inspected, I think it's a great investment to have it done before you even close because um, when you when you have but you better make sure that your inspector understands current codes because. Everything the builder does is being enforced by a local official. And it doesn't matter what your guy thinks. It matters what the city official thinks. So what ends up happening is, is that let's say, for an example, I've seen where they forget to put, you know, like a, a cap on top of a furnace pipe or something like that. And in something that simple, great catch. Thank you, warranty guy. Um, let's make sure the builder or that subcontractor installs it. Nobody saw it and it got done correctly. Um, but all the electrical, the plumbing, everything is pressure tested. Um, a lot of the home builders now are also doing energy efficiency tests where they'll go right down to even having a, a blower door test on the house showing you. So it gives it a HERS rating, you know, the energy rating for your house. So I think a lot of that stuff is covered. But if you want to spend, you know, let's say $500 to $1,000 on having the house inspection done to make you feel better, do it before you even close on the house. I wouldn't wait till the one year. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't have to do it even. They don't have to. I mean, they'll go by the book. And if you look at the book, there's a lot of things that are acceptable things. Um, how do real estate agents make money on listing rentals? They don't. <laughs> Not much. That's why nobody cares. Yeah, that's why no one does. It's a real, uh, it's a it's a tough one. 
Uh, we get, get that all the time, Chris, where people will say that. They'll go, hey, um, could you show us this house that's um, $1,800 a month? People don't understand that there's no money to be made. And so you're seeing real quickly how real estate agents work. And they're like, that's why you have to, when you're renting, you have to call a lot of times the leasing agency and they act like they don't care because they're not making a lot of money on putting you in there anyway. You know, so it's it's a tough bracket, you know. And an example of that, Andy, you might get paid uh, to a real estate company. Remember, everything goes to a real estate company. It doesn't go to the realtor. It goes to the company and then they have a split or whatever, but you might get on that $1,800 rental, they might pay two to $400, somewhere in there. Yeah, it used to be like half the first month's rent. Um, used, to yeah. used to be, but then rentals are so easy now because there is none. So it's like, it's it's just, yeah, it's not that great. Correct. And another great show, Chris. I think you spoke really well today. Good job. Yes. Much good speaking, Chris Arooney. Uh, 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 thanks. It'll make my job a lot easier editing. But hey, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. You can now do it on Spotify. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to get that thing going. We're posting three clips a week on YouTube and Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a heart if you like the content. And have a wonderful Easter weekend. Hey, hey, Nick, one other thing, though. We're actually we're actually at a point now that we're going to be after, going after like advertisers. So if you want to advertise on the show, let us know. I will. I know. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.